Welcome to the Sajcast. I'm Mark Austin. And I'm Stacy Roberts. And we, we are, are the Sons, Sons of Joy. Joy. You're listening to Sajcast number 16, our 16th ever Sajcast. And today's Sajcast is sponsored by Thanksgiving. Makers of, I guess we'd better feed these ridiculous English people so that we don't have to bury their bodies. <laughs> uh, yes. How do you brine a turkey? And are, are you sure it's safe to deep fry that in the house? We thought we might depart from our tightly regimented, regimented Sajcast and have a Thanksgiving sort of Sajcast because, uh, well, it's it's leading up into the week of Thanksgiving. That's right. For those of you listening to this Sajcast right now, you are hopefully doing that while you are multitasking, while you are stuffing things into birds, uh, doing things with cranberries that only happen once a year, watching the Food Network out of the corner of your eye from your kitchen. So this week we thought we might cover a couple of things about Thanksgiving in particular. Uh, one of them being, well, Thanksgiving's past. That's right. We've got Thanksgiving's present. And then there's, well, curiously enough, Thanksgiving's future, which may not be as futuristic as you think. Well, and it may be that we are aberrant in that we don't ascribe to tradition, and we do Thanksgiving several different ways, <laughs> all in the same year. Indeed we did. So yes, future future Thanksgivings here are not going to involve hover cars and eating lasers. They're going to involve next week. That's right, because we had a sort of Thanksgiving that happened last week almost without notice. Almost. And it was only after the event that it occurred to me, anyway, that as far as, as what Thanksgiving really means, or what it really should mean, having everyone in our respective families around the same table is kind of a Thanksgiving thing to do. And we did it. As it turns out, my youngest daughter, Erin, turned 15 on November 11th. She's not as bad off as a Christmas baby, but she does have her birthday on another holiday, and it comes a couple weeks before Thanksgiving, and so there's other stuff going on. It wasn't like she was born on you know, May 17th. <laughs> um, it also means, since we had a presidential election this year, she did uh, see fit to remind me that the first ever presidential election that she'll be able to vote in will be four years after her 18th birthday. Oops. Yes. Along the list of things that are my fault, this too is my fault. <laughs> well, and as it happened, that same weekend, I had both my son and my daughter up for a visit. Uh, they both had Veterans Day off, so it was a long weekend for them. Now, so. let me check, because historically on the Sajcast, what happens is we talk about some people, and then they show up. Yes, this time, that's unlikely to happen. <laughs> but we... Had some people come here, and then we're going to talk about them. But I think we talked about having Margaret on the Sajcast. We did. On the off chance that the magic is still working, maybe what we'd like our listeners to do is suggest people that we could mention <laughs> out loud in the Sajcast and see if next week they show up. Now, don't get fancy. They must be alive. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Leonard Nimoy, but I'm not sure where that falls. <laughs> well, now you've already said Leonard Nimoy, and so he's going to have to show up. Leonard Nimoy, come on down. Yes, so so go to the website, and, and uh, when you're filling out the comment section, as I know you are, put up suggestions of who we should talk about on the Sajcast just to see if they actually do show up. And you'll notice that in this Sajcast, I am going to mention some people who I know are going to show up. That's kind of a don't look behind the curtain, because I knew in advance that this was going on. We're pretty sure they're coming. Yes, my mother is on her way. Oh, we'll have to save that. We're going to save that for later down in the Sajcast. But for now, 
Shall we talk about Thanksgiving's past? Perhaps we should start in the back and, and move our way to the front. You mean during the Reagan administration? <laughs> well, it depends how far back you want to go. I was, I mean, in pre-production we were talking about Thanksgiving's past, and and I think uh, with with no undue uh, disrespect to my mother, the the most memorable Thanksgiving I had was actually one that happened to me in college, uh, where my parents weren't involved. This was while I was attending Michigan State. So this is kind of the first time I was really away from home. So we, I mean, we were in Tallahassee, which was a good, a fur piece, as they might say in Tallahassee, but uh, not so far that we couldn't get home. And I think not that we didn't actually go home for Thanksgiving. We did. So Michigan was a, a situation where I wasn't going to get home. I was taken in. I was a Thanksgiving orphan, and I think the theme of Thanksgiving orphans may may recur here during during the cast. But uh, as a Thanksgiving orphan, I was taken in by um, some people on my floor in the dorm. And they just, you know, they said, come on out to Traverse City or wherever we were going, somewhere in Michigan. They would hold up their hand because that's a map of Michigan. And they would point to some spot and I would go, okay, let's, you know, let's go there because there's turkey or whatever. And I had no place else to go. And this was one of these Thanksgiving events that you kind of hear about, but I had never experienced, where it wasn't so much a family as a small town. So they rented a hall, like from the Kiwanis or somebody, and there were you know, maybe a dozen tables with people of all, you know, all stripes in there. So obviously a big family that had planned it all, but many, many other families came together. And that was, I think, the first time that I really felt a sense of community at a Thanksgiving because growing up, uh, you know, there were between three and five people at my Thanksgiving dinners. So, you know, it was a small, very familial thing. And this was was the opposite of that. It was just well, grand. I'm, and I'm wondering if that's a symptom of us having grown up in Florida because... To my thinking, there are very few people who are from Florida, per se. All right, Florida, stand up for yourself. Get to the comments section. <laughs> yes. You but, apparently, Stacy's suggesting you don't know how to have a Thanksgiving. <laughs> well, no, I'm just suggesting that if you're not from Florida, it means that the bulk of your family is somewhere else, which is true for in my case, because I'm, well, I'm rehabilitated trailer trash, so I'm from nowhere. But in your case, your mother's family was in Germany. Yes. Your father's family was in Boston area, right? What was left of it, yeah. And so within easy reach of South Florida, there was not a lot of extended family members who could come over and partake. Fair enough. So there, that was my point. Okay. So yeah, anyway, that, I mean, that's probably a fair point. There, there were, there were Thanksgivings later that, that, uh, I recall. Um, and this was in the period when I was divorced and I was still on reasonably good terms with my ex-wife who hasn't been mentioned much in the Saj cast. But she's going to be here next week, so <laughs> now that you've mentioned her. I don't know. They have plans to be in Tampa, so we'll okay. see. We'll see. Uh, but, yeah, so this was uh, in, in a period where uh, this is after my father had died, and so Thanksgiving was a really, I want to say somber, but it, it did kind of seem somber. It was, uh, it was a period after my father had died and my mother's best friend had died. And so Thanksgiving, much like when I was a child, had dwindled down to three. But, uh, yeah, this collapsed down to just kind of three of us, and it was real odd and not festive in any way. Not that my mother is an especially festive person, but what kind of the sign to me that it was Thanksgiving was that she would make a plate for Dee Dee, my ex-wife, uh, who, was, who was an ex at, the, at that point, um, loaded up with sweet potatoes, which was her favorite thing that my mother made, um, and saran wrap it and just set it in the corner for me to take when I left to drop off at her apartment on, on my way back to the house, so was very, uh, wasn't what, what most people think of when they think of Thanksgiving. So I'm curious, uh, we should have, we should have interviewed Margaret about that and right. see what she thought of it all. 
But uh, what what were your past Thanksgivings like? Well, in my case, we moved from New Jersey to California, and then we ended up in Florida. So there was no, we had no family around, and we weren't really going to make the trek back to Pennsylvania or Connecticut, our ancestral home, uh, for the gathering. My mother would collect people to come to Thanksgiving. And so the ones that I remember most... Not at the bus stop. No, not at the bus stop. But but the ones that I remember most were after I had moved out and was living on my own because, you know, my mother would invite me for Thanksgiving and she would send me a bucket of guilt. And uh, <laughs> I had no choice but to go. And then when I got there, you know, she was there, my brother was there, my brother would invite a couple of his friends who didn't have anywhere else to go, the Thanksgiving orphans that you spoke of earlier. And there would be probably six or seven really old people <laughs> because my mother was collecting them. The surest sign that you're in Florida. Well, it was like my mother went to Florida like it was an African game reserve. <laughs> and there were these animals running around and you could just pick them up and bring them inside for a while. And she's like, well, these, I'm like, who are all these old people? And she would tell me their names and I would remember. And they would croak at me. You know, Stace, that's that's Ava. Don't you know Ava? And Ava would say, how you doing? And I was like, okay, hi, Ava. I was there when you were born. Right. But she wasn't. She was just some woman that my mother had met in the course of her activities. The other thing is, is that, is that in Florida, I think a lot of the old people, and maybe senior citizens is the appropriate term, but uh, they themselves are Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving orphans on the other side. They're, their husbands yes, have died. Yes, they're, yes. you know, so they had nowhere to go. And my mother would bring them in and feed her, feed them her unspeakable Thanksgiving dinner. If you've listened to the Sajcast and read my blog, you know that my mother is a horrific cook. She cannot cook really anything. Thanksgiving for me was I would eat the things that I had either brought myself or that I knew were safe to eat. And then after that, I had to foray out in the world looking for food. And there was no, there were no restaurants open on Thanksgiving. Nothing was open. Not even the reliable Chinese buffet was open (laughs) that late. Um, It was as if uh, some sort of calamity had struck South Florida and there was nowhere to get food. And so Thanksgiving passed for me. More often than not, was a bologna sandwich um, because I couldn't eat my mother's food. And this was when I was, again, this was when I lived away from home. And so one of the questions my mother would always ask is, I see you have a woman with you. Did you bring one for your brother? Because my mother's a big fan of the Old Testament in which the... A woman for your brother, not a side dish. Uh, no, a woman for my brother because... <laughs> well, that may be a side dish. Yeah. We won't get into that. In a family-centered Sajcast that's talking about Thanksgiving, uh, I'd say No. But, um, you know, my mother believed in the Old Testament in which the eldest son got everything. And um, there was a thing called leveret marriage, where if one of the brothers died, the other brother got the wife and all of his goods and all of his goats and everything. And so there were times at Thanksgiving where my mother was like, so, are you feeling okay? Because <laughs> you got a nice job. And that girl there, she's awfully cute for a shiksa. Your brother might like her. <laughs> so that was Thanksgiving in my early 20s, shall we say. You know, the, the ones that I remember when I was probably 14, 15, 16 in high school was when I myself was a Thanksgiving orphan by choice because my friend Rob, who I've mentioned before on the Sajcast, would tell his mother about the unspeakable things that he had eaten at my house. And so when Thanksgiving and Christmas and any kind of, of the eating holidays mm-hmm. came around, she would say, well, what about your little Jewish friend? What's what, what He can't possibly go and eat large amounts of his mother's cooking because he might die. And so they would always invite me over. And Rob's mother was from the Dominican Republic, and she could cook everything really well. So Thanksgiving, uh, and, and his father was Italian, so Thanksgiving there was lasagna, there was uh, black beans and rice, there were some kind of sausages made from goats, 
Um, there was a turkey, there was a ham, but it was a very multi-ethnic kind of meal. Everything about it was good. And um, what I remember most is that his brothers, he has two brothers, who had grown up with this kind of cooking all the time. And the oldest brother, one Thanksgiving, told his mother that her um, her sausage and, and rice was not up to her usual standard. Oh. And I said, hey, buddy, pass that down if you don't want it. <laughs> Because what I will do next Thanksgiving is I will send you to my mother's house. Yeah, we can trade places. Yeah, we can trade places. You can go, you can go, uh, and see what bad food is really like. And I will take your place at this table and, uh, eat until I cannot move. Those, the, for me, those were the two kinds of Thanksgiving pasts where I would, uh, go to my mother's house and avoid eating anything and then usually end up eating, uh, you know, a sandwich at home <laughs> over the sink. Or when I was invited to somebody else's house as a Thanksgiving orphan, and uh, hit the jackpot, for which I was very thankful. And so, at Rob's house, when they asked me what I'm thankful for, I had to I had to speak with my mouth full because all I said was, "This <laughs> I am thankful for. This <laughs> I am thankful to not be eating uh, any other kind of food." Yeah. So there was a Thanksgiving you mentioned, which I think was two years ago, which would have been the first Thanksgiving that I was here uh, since I've moved up this time. I brought. I guess my ex-wife and Margaret. No, uh, your ex-wife brought a... Well, she brought an in-law, but I mean, of the immediate family. That yes, was, that was... If we miss someone, we, we, we apologize, but I don't think so. No. So she has a brother who uh, lives in Columbus, and he had a daughter who they don't get along so well. And so she was a Thanksgiving orphan, and since they're a family, we corralled her into making the drive down the... The 71 corridor popped in for Thanksgiving, and you had, uh, well, you had your, your girls. You had Laura and her mom? I think, yeah, I think Laura. Her mom, yeah. The interesting part of that dinner was when the, the children, and, and so Margaret was uh, 16, 17? Yes. Uh, that means that my oldest daughter, Caitlin, was 15, and Aaron was 13. And the children were the ones who said, go around the table and tell us what you're thankful for. They made us. They made us. They forced us into it. And it occurred to me that um, that you and I had met at 14 years old. We were younger. The, uh, we were slightly around the same age as the youngest child in the room. Yes. And yet here we were <laughs> years later. Yes. And our children were at the table. And, um, and that was an interesting happening. And um, and what reminded me of it is the gathering that we had just a few days ago. Because at this gathering, all the children were there. Yeah, so I, I knew well in advance that Thanksgiving this year was going to happen um, for uh, my children in, in Florida, in Tampa. So my daughter's going to school in Pensacola, my son's going to school in Fort Myers, and my ex-wife lives in Fort Lauderdale. And so, in a very roundabout sort of way... Tampa's the center of all that because uh, a friend of the family, Don and uh, and her husband Ken, live in Tampa, and they're oh Don is to Dee Dee as Mark is to Stacy. They've known each other, in fact, maybe a few years even longer. So they've kind of had a lifelong friendship, and so is this where we, is this where we point out that they might be older than we are? Well, but that's not why I wouldn't say that. Okay, that would be unkind. Unkind, if, if accurate. <laughs> well, that doesn't help. You're not walking that statement back. Well, I can't walk back from the truth. 
But yeah, um, anyway, so they're all going to meet up there. So because we figured the eleven-hour drive for Margaret one way was a twenty-two-hour round trip, and she really doesn't have but the two days off, so it's like a forty weekend. It was really going to be a hardship on her. So Tampa's a good deal closer. It's like six hours closer. Kind of splits the ride in half for her. And um, anyway, I knew that I wasn't going to be down there um, for a, a couple of reasons. I have obligations that are keeping me here. I said, why don't we bring up the kids um, the weekend of Veterans Day, because that's the, the weekend that they had a long weekend. And so I flew them up for that occasion, kind of knowing in advance that this was uh, our little Thanksgiving, you know, in lieu of the actual thing. As I may have mentioned, Veterans Day is also Aaron's birthday. And so we were going to celebrate her birthday in traditional style, which is just a very big dinner out. And so we had your family come with us. At this table, there were um, you and Suzanne. Yes. Margaret and Oren, yes, and uh, me and Laura and Caitlin and Aaron and Aaron's perennial friend Sam, who uh, goes everywhere. She's apparently staking out the spare room in my house to live in. <laughs> um, and, and your ex-wife, my ex-wife, and her husband. Yes. So uh, it was the biggest table this restaurant had, and we were all clustered around. It's like a private room. It was indeed we had a private curtain. We could have drawn. Yes, and so um, I think the label above the doorway to this room was Italian for dysfunctional family goes here. <laughs> so it occurred to me then, and not realizing that this was your Thanksgiving uh, substitute, that at this point, this was the first time that everybody was together at the almost holiday. Right. Well, in so, fact, the first time, in fact, as far as we can tell, the first time they've all been together at a, at least at a family meal. That's right. And so it was historic. Historic. And if I had not had a significant amount of what is called apothic wine, which I guess we'll have to put a picture of it on the website, it's a white wine. And, and those of you who have listened to the Sajcast uh, will find no mention at all of my inability to tolerate alcohol. Um, but, you know, I, um, my, uh, because it's my daughter's birthday and there was a lot of hectic, let's get ready to go and, you know, all the arrangements it took to get everybody there on time. So as soon as the waiter, Skippy, came to the table, he said, can I get anybody? And before he finished, I was like, wine. <laughs> I'll take this apothic wine because it sounds medieval. It sounds very uh, 13th century. And so bring me as a big a thing as that as you can get. And he a just, grog, a meat, and an apothic wine. That's right. And he just kept them coming. So um, my usual obliviousness was at a, a new peak. But uh, so it was only after that I realized that this was a bit of a momentous occasion. Well, and it was also because you were uh, uncharacteristically consuming wine that uh, that the children, well, Aaron at least, made some accusations that we found baseless. Yes, Aaron was was regaling the table with a story of how you and I showed up to pick her up at daycare one year, and we were drunk. Yeah, uh, which was her accusation, which we refuted. Yeah, we refuted because that would have been really irresponsible of us and totally out of character. Um because, as we clarified to her, there was an occasion where we were drunk. Where, where well, there had been a few, but I think, I think, well, in her storytelling, there was, there were umbrellas. Yeah. And I think the behavior around the umbrella, she must have chalked up to drunkenness because no, yes. no one else would behave in such a manner. Right. Uh, and, and I believe that manner was that we were, well, if you've ever seen the, uh, the honor guard at a, in a military unit, uh, you know, throwing the their, drill team. Yeah, the drill team throwing their, their giant uh, rifles behind their backs to one another. Um, this is what we were doing with umbrellas, and I must say with some finesse. Yeah, we had gotten good at it. Because we were, well, we were in the ROTC in high school, and we did this 
well, all the time. I mean, we would just walk right. around and without a moment's notice or, or without any verbal warning, one of us would, the person in front, would kick back a rifle over their head and the other person just had to put their hand up and catch it. And catch it, yes. Yeah, so without they, hitting themselves in the head. Right. And because we were the, we were the two highest ranking officers in our little ROTC unit, no one stopped us. No. Which there was a lot of whispering. There was a lot of whispering, but <laughs> no one stopped us and people knew to stay clear of us. And it's like, we had this radius around us of, of emptiness and we're like, gee, uh, they must really have a great deal of respect for us. No, actually they were fond of their teeth. And their heads and anything that might get hit by a 13-pound rifle or whatever they weigh. Yeah, the, the, the Springfield, yes. And it was, it was for, those, for those of you who are familiar with this it, was this, it was the Queen Anne salute that we were engaging in regularly. Right. And so uh, I, think, I think on this trip up, we had been telling the children about this, and they didn't believe it. And so I think we, the whole thing with the umbrellas was to, see, this is how we used to do it. And they must have thought that that was so crazy that we were drunk, which really wouldn't happen. And as I explained at the table while I was steeped in apothic wine, that when you and I were drunk, we were obvious about it. We, uh, like the time we had the children come to my house, which has a perfect sledding hill, and we built a ramp for the children to sled on. And it was a sledding winter. It was a sledding winter. It was a lot of snow and really cold. We made an ice ramp. For yes. the children to, to slide up, and we were passing a bottle of some sort of rum back and forth. It was, yes, it was Malibu. It was Malibu rum. The because, coconut rum. Yes, and when you have small children, it's important to let them know when you're drunk so they don't rely on you for anything. <laughs> um, like safety or good judgment, because uh, only yeah, a well, it, it's it, it bears some explanation that your your backyard has uh, what is a little more than a gradual incline. It's pretty steep. It's pretty steep. And we built a ramp about halfway down it so that once you had a good bit of momentum going, you could hit this ramp and then, you know, the, the, the curve between where you were flying and the hill was just going to continue to increase so that you'd get a nice kerplunk at the bottom. Right. And we had to use the pool, uh, the pool toys, the, the inner tube, the inner tube from the pool and the biggest one that we had and we overinflated it. Oh, yes. So that whoever went down the hill first, which turned out to be Margaret, would not get injured in the landing. And so a good time was had by all. But we were quite openly passing the bottle back and forth, and so the children knew that, well, Margaret was going to have to be in charge. The hallmark of good parenting. <laughs> yes. So my point is, of course, is that, no, Aaron, of course we weren't drunk when we picked you up at daycare. We were drunk when we had you sledding down the hill on the inner tube. And she said, no, you weren't. Well, and so it didn't go well. And the other problem, of course, is that my ex-wife was there, and I think Aaron likes to stir the pot a little bit when Kim mm-hmm. is around because... Um, well, it's fun for her. Yeah, see what sort of trouble she can, she can... Remember that time you did crack in the backseat? Yeah. Uh, no? <laughs> yeah. No, I don't. Right. And you did what? <laughs> and of course, now that the children are... Caitlin will be 17 in a few short months, and Aaron is 15. What happened a few scant years ago is really not fodder for any renewed battle in the divorce. It's not no. gonna... If she was hoping to spark some kind of argument, it really wasn't gonna happen over... Whether or not we were drunk at some point. Thinking back to the uh, to the night in question, so so Carlos is uh, Carlos's Italian bistro. Is that it is name? yes, it is Carlo with a K. Carlos with a K. Yes, um, and an apostrophe. It's a it's an Italian restaurant. It's the kind of place where they put out the the big loaves of crusty bread. And yeah, the, I mean that was a favorite. They they used to have uh, balsamic vinegar and uh, olive oil on the table, and you could mix it up. Now I guess they they don't they don't trust us with it, so they bring it out for you and and pour your own because 
Margaret was fond of just making up a, a pool of balsamic vinegar. She yes, was, that she was really, my particular favorite. <laughs> she didn't really care for the olive oil. Well, see, now I'm, I'm starting to think that that we should have tried harder to recruit Margaret into Judaism because dipping your <laughs> bread in vinegar is is all about a sojourn in the desert. It's, it's I weeped into this bowl and I shall dip my bread in it, or maybe she just likes the tang of vinegar as I do. But uh, but when Margaret lived here five years ago or whatever it was, more than that, it was eight years ago. Anyway, um. Well, that was actually one of the restaurants that we would go to with some regularity because she enjoyed uh, making a pizza. And back in those days, I, I don't know that it's on the menu, honestly, I didn't look, but uh, they used to have a make-your-own-pizza, and if you were, you know, shorter than four feet, they would take you in the back to the uh, the kitchen and let you make a pizza, or so I was told. Right. I was too tall to go back there. <laughs> right. And she would always have pizzas that were misshapen and, and had, you know, odd odd configurations of effects, so I assumed that that was, in fact, what was happening. Right. So, she, yeah, we, we enjoyed going there quite a bit. And so we were kind of excited to go back because we uh, she hadn't been in, in quite a long time. Uh, so, to make a long story short, when she was throwing up at the restaurant, well... We need to double back and figure out why that happened. Yeah, there, exactly. we suggested that maybe there was a decline in their offering. And I know that Laura's dish that she had ordered, uh, chicken scallopini or something like yes, that. Yes, the chicken came back in a, in a very pink color, which right. most people don't care for in the chicken. And see, now I was hoping when we were setting out to go to Carlo's, this is a restaurant that has not yet made it into the Sajcast, and I thought, perfect for food porn. Yes, well, we, we won't leave a link. How's that? Yes, we will not, <laughs> we will not tell you who they are, but... The favorite, the thing that they make that I like the most is called penne remigio, uh, penne pasta, Italian sausage, and blackened chicken in a kind of a cream tomato sauce. It is most excellent, and I get it every time, and it was pretty good. And between that and the apothic wine, I didn't really notice that nobody else seemed to be enjoying their food <laughs> as much as I was. And um, and and the, you know, the other thing is, is that Carlos is where I usually go for my birthday, and so it's possible that that I got the best they had to offer. It's like, he's back. It's his birthday. Twice a year? Who cares? Give him the best. That or the apothic wine. Well, I think that the apothic wine is very likely the uh, culprit of much of my uh, state. But yeah, so to to recur to the the plates at hand, I know Suzanne and uh, Kim's husband ordered the same dish, which was uh, pasta in a vodka sauce. Oh, yeah. And it was really, it was a soup. It was yeah. pasta noodles in a soup of, well, what they call vodka sauce, which really isn't how most people are used to experiencing pasta. It was, it was much closer to uh, Skyline chili wet than anything we've been accustomed to. So that, that was kind of, uh, disconcerting. And a few bites into her dish, Margaret excused herself rather abruptly <laughs> and went to the bathroom. And, uh, actually, uh, to be fair, she maintained her composure through the, through the meal. But uh, after the meal, we we were going back to your house for cake, uh, one of the one of the nine pound cakes that actually turned out to be a little less than nine pounds. This well, time. this isn't the classic nine pound cake because no, Aaron Aaron prefers uh, the cake from Sam's Club with the whipped icing, and so it only weighs seven pounds. Yes. Well, Suzanne and I agree that whipped icing is the way to go. But uh, we were driving back to your house from from the restaurant, and we got to the exit, and you're not especially far from the exit. You know, no. maybe three or four minutes tops. And Margaret said, um, we need to pull over. I need a bathroom. And I'm like, well, it's okay. We're only three minutes from Stacy's house. And she said, no, <laughs> that's too far. That's too far. Yes. And we knew what that meant because we were rolling down windows at that point. And yes, she actually used the, the McDonald's, which was near the exit, uh, as a, as a place to refund, uh, her dinner. 
in a, in a very uncharitable way. But uh, but she recovered fully, which is which is the good news. She had some cake, uh, some cupcakes, and then around midnight that night, she went across to Whackburger, which has been mentioned, and uh, had herself uh, a California, I believe, the avocado green chili corn burger thing, and she found that to be satisfactory. So she uh, she made room for herself and and filled up. I'm, I'm glad she recovered because I was worried on a number of of levels because Carlos was really my idea. It's always my idea when we go there. <laughs> Because the other choice that my children opted for was Olive Garden, and and to you know this was a Saturday night at seven p.m. They don't yes. take reservations. We would have been standing around the Olive Garden for a couple of hours, and so I said, "How about Carlo's?" Because you know my children, uh, when it comes to Italian food, it's either lasagna or, or fettuccine alfredo. Oh, yeah. And much like I've I've opined about tacos at a Mexican restaurant, any Italian place worth its salt should be able to make a fettuccine alfredo or a lasagna. So didn't really matter that we weren't at the Olive Garden. Well, apparently, when the food sucks, it does. <laughs> Who knew? And, of course, I didn't know because I was steeped to the gills in apothic wine. But the fact that she went and had a whack burger after that, I'm, I'm glad that she wasn't permanently poisoned. And uh, hopefully she will come to my birthday, <laughs> which at this point may or may not be at Carlos. So so the, so the pseudo-Thanksgiving involved someone, someone throwing up. So... That wasn't that wasn't the thing to be thankful about that day, but we were certainly thankful to have you know all the children in one room um, and and our girlfriends at the time you know or, or at the moment still as far as I know <laughs> uh, all together. So I'm glad was, you're in charge of editing. That was fantastic. <laughs> yes, it was good to have. Uh, I mean, let's call it what it is: the whole family it together. Was the whole family. It was the whole family together at one table, um, and um, you know, even though my ex-wife and her husband were there. She is, she's the, the, the mother to the children. And so in as much as we are all bound by ties of blood and treasure, we we're all there. And that was good. Yeah. And we, uh, but we didn't go, we didn't go through the formality of going around the table because you didn't realize it was Thanksgiving. I did not. And, uh, and we may have to do this again at, at the actual Thanksgiving next week. But... Right. Speaking of Thanksgiving future, it's next week. Well, as of this telling, today is November 14th. Yes. And so for us, a week from now will be the real Thanksgiving, the one on everyone's calendar. And so for this particular Thanksgiving, my mother is coming. Dun, dun, dun. Two points to be made. One, uh, I've mentioned her in the Sajcast, and she will be here next week. So whatever talisman that well, is. I was say, you mentioned her a few, but uh, we won't tell you which ones. That's right. My brother, the favorite son, doesn't live with her anymore, which, you know, it is high time, him being in his 40s. So my mother really didn't have anybody to have Thanksgiving with, and my children had been clamoring for her to come, and so I sent her a plane ticket, and so she'll be here. And at the same time, we're doing what I think a lot of people are doing this time of year, is finding out who's going to be where for Thanksgiving. Yes, you got to get the attendance sheet down. Right. It's a much more complicated process than I thought. I don't really have a lot of family around here, so and, and when you have children, as you know, your focus tends to narrow. And so for me, any major holiday, as long as my children are there with me, other people, you know, do I need do I need my third cousin on my mother's side? Right. Not necessarily, no. So what I like to do at Thanksgiving now is is invite people who have nowhere else to go, Thanksgiving orphans, and see how many of those we can get to come over to the house and partake of the meal and, you know, sit around and enjoy company. And um, so right now my mother's coming. Laura will be there because someone's got to cook. Not gonna be me, and maybe her mother, and and you and Suzanne after you do your other Thanksgiving right. at her house uh, or, or her her family, and so I think a small and manageable gathering 
But it could explode. It could explode because people are notorious for not answering. And what will probably happen is that on the Wednesday or maybe the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, we'll get some phone calls that are nonchalant in mm. their in their brashness in which they say, what time are we supposed to be there on Thursday? You know? Well, and this may be somewhat our fault because in years past, uh, we are the uh, the purveyors of the deep fryer. Oh, yes. We did deep fry a turkey and many other things last year. Because... Thanksgiving has traditions. Uh, you know, you go around the table, you talk about what you're thankful for, you resurrect the neglected cranberry. Um, but what other traditions can people really count on? And we've tried a few things in the past. We tried, you know, maybe basketball <laughs> after the after the meal. But what really nailed it? The Lions Bears game. Yeah, no, playing basketball. <laughs> you know, do, shooting hoops from the hoods of the cars. But none of that really worked out as well as the deep fryer, because what we would do. Uh, post Thanksgiving, it, it was it. It was the day after, usually. That well, we it was. This was. Uh, I mean, probably a decade ago that we had our first encounter with the deep fryer, and since then we we've expanded on it. But yeah, we learned kind of two things because we ran an experiment the first year, being the the scientists that we are, the food scientists that we are. Why does no college claim us? That's what I want to know. No university is out there going, yeah, those guys, they're graduates. Yeah, of our food science department. Mm-hmm. Now, traditionally, or, or well, somewhat traditionally, is we deep fry our turkey, which is a whole sodge cast unto itself, let me yes. tell you. Yeah, so 10, 10 gallons or so of 350 degree oil that's, you know, quite quickly to scald. And if you've never had a deep fried turkey, uh, try one. I mean, even if you're not the one to, to do the work, they're, they're incredibly succulent because they're flash fried. So what takes you four hours in an oven takes you 35 minutes in a deep fryer. Maybe a little longer if you get a really big turkey, but um, what the skin becomes incredibly crispy and crunchy, obviously, and the inside stays very juicy and moist. Uh, leaving aside the uh, the dangers and perils of, of you know having that much hot oil around your house, what we do is we realize that well we've got ten pounds or ten gallons of hot oil that well we don't really have a lot of other uses for, but. And it seems a shame to waste it. It seems a shame to let it go to waste. And so we set aside the day after Thanksgiving in a sort of Boxing Day tradition. <laughs> I don't know what that would be. Oh, unbelting Day tradition. <laughs> yes, I think it's I think it's traditionally unbelting day. It's the loosening of the pants. <laughs> but in our case, it's the day we deep fry everything. The primary thing that we deep fry the day after Thanksgiving is a prime rib. And most of you have probably not experienced a prime rib because we think we invented that. So you take a deep fried primer. A deep fried primer. Yes. So you take a primer roast, you know, four or five bones, whatever will fit nicely in your pot. You give it a nice dry rub, some, you know, some brown sugar and salt and spices. Let that sit overnight. So this is something you're doing Thanksgiving night when you can't think about food. <laughs> and then we, uh, we drop that in the deep fryer for 20 minutes and we have, you know, crispy, hard shelled, amazing primer. But again, We've got all this hot oil. But then, see, the, the problem the problem with the deep fryer is, is that you'll deep fry something, some massive bit of beast, and you'll take it out of the fryer and you go, well, the oil's still here. Yeah, it seems a shame to let it go to waste. That's right. So then there's the, the second tradition of deep frying whatever the hell we can find. Well, and in the first year that we tried this, it was indeed deep frying whatever we could it find. It was very experimental. Because we were at somebody else's house. We were. And, and I think that we had to go shopping to get some some elements to deep fry. 
But other than that, we kind of just raided the fridge and we deep fried what he had lying around. Yeah, I mean, we did some things that we, well, a decade ago may have been innovative that many of you have probably seen now, but like we deep fried a candy bar. Yeah, we deep fried a Twinkie. We we uh, had a batter uh, or a, a batch of uh, tempura batter that we would just, yeah, dip something in and then throw it into the fryer. And so we did a lot of that, um, you know, like an onion, slice it up. Right, we did the Put concept. a batter on it, and, well, that's probably been done somewhere. Right, we deep fried chocolate, we deep fried vegetables, we deep fried other meats. Uh, we invented, I believe, the deep fried Reuben. Well, we also deep fried a hot dog, which I thought was pretty innovative. Yes. We took a hot dog. I think we may have done this on the on the uh, coney size ones, too, but for the full size as well. Uh, and you wrap it in biscuit dough. Uh, of the sort that come in a can, perhaps. The yes. easiest way to go. It is the easiest And that way. protects it from the oil and builds a nice shell on its own. So there was that. And so we. <laughs> it was hot dog and crute. Yes. And so we, we took that concept a step further and brought the, the Jewish tradition <laughs> of rubening it up. So we, we took a little, we had some nice corned beef from Izzy's. That's right. And we cut it up into small enough sections that we could wrap it. We put a little uh, uh, Thousand Island dressing in there, a bit of sauerkraut, and wrapped that up again in biscuit dough, threw that in there, and that was, well, noteworthy. Yes, and and as, as I'm sure the listeners are starting to get a sense of, the people witnessing this 10 years ago were horrified. At first. At first, but you hand somebody a deep-fried <laughs> Oreo, Wait and they changed their tune pretty quick. That's disgusting. That looks good. (laughs) You you deep fried a chocolate Snickers bar, you say. Hey, pass that over. And at the very end, they said, deep fried Reuben. I'll try that. So we had won over a bunch of converts. Oh, yeah. What were some of the things we deep fried last year? Because we had a couple of of first time deep fries that I think Laura came up with. I'm trying to recall what they were. We're going to have to give that some thought. Maybe our post-Thanksgiving Sajcast could be a retrospective of Deep Fried Friday. Yes, there were there were a number of, of really excellent things that she came up with that we deep fried last year. Um, that was awesome. And so the day after, the night after Thanksgiving, we were all back at the dining room table where we had spent the day before, and we were eating deep fried everything. I think yeah, she deep fried macaroni and cheese. Oh, yes, that was one of them, yes. right? Um, yeah, with the giant prime rib, of course. Yes, the prime rib, deep fried uh, macaroni and cheese, we... We deep fried all kinds of things. It was really good. So, uh, anyway, uh, I, I digress. Perhaps that's the reason people just show up at your house around Thanksgiving. Well, much like we have said in the past, that we should sell tickets to pre-production, I think that maybe in Thanksgiving 2013, we might invite some of our loyal listeners to come <laughs> out for Deep Fried Friday, assuming that they're not doing any kind of shopping. You know, it's like you uh, you complain that there's kids at your house, but if you didn't make that delicious Halloween meatloaf, then, you know. Well, who do you have to blame? That's right. So <laughs> it's one of those things. It's one of those things, and so uh, I think this Sajcast is uh, kind of a, an expanded food porn. <laughs> it is. It's a Thanksgiving themed food porn with no food porn theme anywhere in here. Waka waka somewhere. But yeah, I think we we've also talked about selling tickets to your uh, Thanksgiving this this year because so many people are interested in seeing your mother in action, in so, action as yes, it were. Well, um, for those of you who listen to the Sajcast and read my blog, your check is in the mail. But um, my blog, Charlotte Trash with a Girl's Name it, it kind of it, it recaps some of the high points of my childhood. Uh, my mother was a single parent after I was five, and my father left uh, after he hurled a salt shaker at her, and he missed, fortunately. Um, but after that, she raised us on her own, and um, she had some odd notions about nutrition. 
Um, I, now, of course, in retrospect, it seems like she was really kind of a food pioneer, much in the way that we are, <laughs> uh, deep frying Rubens and Twinkies and Snickers bars. But, um, you know, she was the first person I ever knew who really embraced diet soda. And back in the <laughs> 70s, it was Tab, Tab yes. right? So uh, she also was the first person to find uh, to use carob as a chocolate substitute. Hmm. Uh, she was looking for non-wheat-based breads and non-meat-based meats, and and so um, never in a quest for deliciousness. Never, in a, no. It wasn't about deliciousness. It was about it was about what's good for you, what's not good for you, and and as you know now, eating something just because it's good for you really isn't as rewarding as. She made it sound. And so um, one of one of the stories on my blog is how when we lived in California, she didn't wash any of the vegetables. And they sprayed them at that time with arsenic yes. to kill the bugs. And she wouldn't wash the vegetables. And all the California people, she would go to these fruit stands on the side of the road and just buy things and start munching them as she's walking through the fruit stand buying other stuff. And these people were horrified. They would, they would be like, you can't do that. She's like, oh, I'll pay for it. It's fine. I'm like, no, you're you're ingesting arsenic, and of course she didn't believe them, and and she did end up getting arsenic poisoning, which is the excuse she uses now when she can't remember my name. She says, Stace, I've got the arsenic poisoning, uh, and that's a reason. But um, uh, so uh, you know, I, I would say go and read all of my blog entries for the full details. But uh, there are a number of people who read my blog now, all 19 of them. And I, uh, I tweeted once, not too long ago, that she was actually on her way for Thanksgiving. And there was an, uh, a groundswell of demands that I wire up my dining room with some sort of webcam, an audio device, yeah. so that people could see this. A, a portable sodcast. A portable sodcast, as it were. And then it occurred to me that she might just bring my brother as well. That would have been momentous. That would have been uh, a jackpot for all the loyal listeners, uh, the loyal readers of my blog. And it still may happen because uh, since I paid for her plane ticket, I think it may have freed up the funds for her to fly him in. So we may have a trailer... A Thanksgiving miracle. A Thanksgiving miracle. A trailer trash Thanksgiving in my house. Now, let me just say that everybody else, Laura and my children, are absolutely horrified at the prospect (laughs) of any of this coming to pass. And, and they say, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, Caitlin will just look at me and say, Dad, I can't believe you're so calm about this. I'm like, what do you mean? She says, well, your mother's coming and she might bring your brother. I'm like, yeah? I grew up with those people. I, I lived with these people as a child. Uh, it doesn't really scare me at all. And she's like, well, we're scared. <laughs> so, um, so the, the post Thanksgiving Sajcast number 17 will probably deal with a recap of my mother, the trailer trash Thanksgiving and deep fried Friday. One can only hope it is something to look forward to. And, well, again, we encourage your comments on the website. We would very much like to hear about your Thanksgiving horror stories. Um, and we will caution you because the purpose of a, of a podcast properly done is to inspire people and give them ideas. And so one of the things that concerns me now is that there will be a whole bunch of people deep frying things, Sajcast style. And so uh, be careful out there if that's what you're going to do on Friday. And so before we wrap up, I was wondering if we were going to take a moment to tell our listeners what we were thankful for. That seems fitting. It seems fitting. And and um, although this may not be creative, I am thankful for what I'm always thankful for. I'm thankful for my children. I'm thankful for my, my girlfriend, Laura. I am thankful that, uh, that we get to celebrate this holiday in, in uh, a time of calm and peace. 
because while we are celebrating Thanksgiving in warmth and security, there are people right now on the East Coast of the United States who are still without power after the superstorm last week. Um, and there are still people in this great land who don't know where their next meal is coming from. And so uh, these are some of the things that we have gratitude for. Oh, there are people in Tel Aviv who are cowering in fear for the next missile attack. So, yeah, I mean... There's plenty to be thankful for in the in the peace and calm part of that. That's right. And if you can sit around a table with the people who are dearest to you uh, in warmth and security with plenty of food to eat and uh, and no fear of, of anything, then you should consider that you have an edge on most of humanity. Yes. And, and I, I would add to that that having, I guess, already had my Thanksgiving with my children, I was incredibly grateful that I had the, the, the opportunity to spend with them. And uh, although uh, they're going to have another Thanksgiving with their mother, I'm I'm actually thankful that she is is doing well. She um she's been having a number of health issues over the last few years, and she seems to be on the ro- uh, the road to recovery through good nutrition. Yes, and for her, I was uh, I was thinking that uh, what turned it around for her was a, a pretty significant regimen of diet of vitamins that that the rest of us take <laughs> for granted, like yes. vitamins D and C and A, and so B twelve, B twelve. Who knew? But if um, if she could show up to deep fried uh, Friday, I would deep fry a couple of multivitamins. <laughs> and of course, I'm I'm always incredibly grateful and thankful for for Suzanne in my life, and that I get to have not not already the one Thanksgiving, but two more with any luck uh, ahead of us. So we'll have many Thanksgivings to enjoy. So remember to 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 count. Count the saved and not the lost at this time of year. With that, I think we wrap up and we have reached the end of Sajcast's number 16. Brought to you by Thanksgiving, makers of I Guess We Better Feed These Ridiculous English People So That We Don't Have to Bury Their Bodies. How do you brine a turkey anyway? And are you sure it's safe to deep fry that in the house? <laughs> <laughs>